Welcome to the Voices of STEM podcast, a podcast highlighting the stories of marginalized students on their journey to become STEM professionals. Each week, you'll get a deeper look into the lives of a current STEM student told through their successes, challenges, and complexities. And I'm your host, Dr. Stacey Dutton. Welcome back, y'all, to a new season of the Voices of STEM podcast. So this season, we decided to break the mold a little bit and zero in on the concept of climate change. And I know many of you have heard about climate change, whether it has been from a scientific perspective or from a more social perspective, as it has been a common buzzword that is in our media. However, many people still are not clear on what it means or what it entails for our daily lives. And so to discuss this a bit further, I decided to have some students tell stories about their climate. And in that, these students will discuss their local environments, talking about some of the sustainability issues or sustainability initiatives that are being done to remediate some of the issues of climate change. And in addition, discuss some issues of environmental injustice that may have taken place. And so with that, let's get into this week's voices. Hi, I'm a freshman college student living just north of the Atlanta metropolitan area. Over the past few years, one of my hobbies has been observing the wildlife found in the public parks in my area. As a result, I've become increasingly involved and interested with the environmental activism in my city and to become far more aware of the issues that our natural spaces currently face. What personally concerns me about the ecosystems in my area, aquatic or otherwise, is the effects that climate change is having on the native species of my city, the rest of Atlanta, and Georgia as a whole. Climate change has had a number of adverse effects on the wildlife here, and creates a feedback loop of negative outcomes. Regarding Georgia's prized canopy, Trees are being felled in urban areas with little regard for environmental effect. And as a result, cities like Atlanta are becoming increasingly hot with every summer. And the local climate is shifting so dramatically within these spaces that now native species of plants are having trouble keeping a foothold. Invasive species, however, thrive in the new climate and are wiping out the native species, which tend to be more picky with their environment. Also, the unpredictable nature of the seasons has created an event known as the false spring, where plants bloom too early due to warm spells and then subsequently die due to cold snaps. Regarding the wildlife, climate change in the south displaces aquatic animals like fish and amphibians, who are sensitive to temperature shifts. And just as the erratic shifts in climate cause false springs, Changes in the scale and timing of extreme weather events disrupt populations of aquatic animals. The deforestation of Georgia's urban areas has also had a profound effect on the bird population, as their habitat is slowly being chipped away. Georgia is a state in need of environmental protection, and luckily there are groups like Trees Atlanta and the Georgia Conservancy who are willing to offer their services. However, we still have a ways to go. Organizations in the Atlanta area are working to improve the ineffective tree protection ordinances. Community groups are working on issues like land, air, and water pollution, recycling, and clean energy. But if we want to create any real change, it has to be on a united front. 
Cities outside of Atlanta's perimeter need to be educated on these issues and included in the conversation. Thank you. As a young African-American woman, you don't see too many marine biologists that look like me. However, I've always had an interest in marine life and environmental sustainability. Ever since I was young, I've had the privilege to visit relatives who live in the Tidewater region of Virginia, which is directly next to the Chesapeake Bay. The Chesapeake Bay is an estuary that is located in parts of both Maryland and Virginia. It is actually the largest estuary in the United States and the third largest in the world. While the bay itself is bordered by Maryland and Virginia, its watersheds extend from six states, including Delaware, Maryland, New York, Pennsylvania, Virginia, and West Virginia, as well as the District of Columbia. In case you don't know, an estuary is a body of water that is formed where fresh water from rivers meets salt water from the ocean, and a watershed is defined by the Chesapeake Bay Program as an area of land that drains into a particular river, lake, or other body of water. The bay is home to over 4,000 different species of plants and animals and around 18 million people. Because they live so close to the water, many of these people participate in activities like fishing, which happens to be a huge part of the bay's economy. In fact, the Chesapeake produces about 500 million pounds of seafood per year. Since the bay is such an important resource for so many people, it has suffered from many environmental challenges like overfishing, pollution, chemical contamination, and habitat destruction. These problems are only exacerbated by climate change, which has been increasingly detrimental to the health of the ecosystem. Due to climate change, the bay has experienced warming water temperatures, as well as intense storms on a more frequent basis, causing things like soil erosion, flooding, and sewer overflows, which accumulates into harmful runoff that enters the bay. This leads to an excess of nutrients and sediment to enter the water. Too much nutrients accelerates the growth of algae, which significantly lessens the amount of available oxygen in the water and blocks sunlight, which is damaging to the plants and animals. The rising water temperature also contributes to parts of the bay losing oxygen because warm water holds less oxygen. Much of marine life is heat sensitive, so the fish are unable to live in the hot temperatures. This results in dead zones which are parts of water that have very little to no oxygen. This causes all of the marine life in that area to suffocate and die if they are unable to leave that area. The last time I visited the bay was back in summer 2019 for a marine biology program, and I actually had the chance to see the impacts of these environmental issues on the bay. We checked oyster habitat growth and tested the water for its pH and for plankton, which we learned can be a sign of the health of the water. These are just a few examples of ways the community is working to protect the bay. Fortunately, dead zones have the ability to be restored through the use of conservation efforts. Since 2009, the Chesapeake Bay Foundation has restored 32 acres of oyster reefs, which are a vital part of the ecosystem because they filter and clean the water which is part of the reason why their population decline was such a huge problem for the health of the bay. Additionally, organizations are working to sustain fish and shellfish populations and restore streams and shorelines by using bar barriers like trees, shrubs, and grasses to filter the pollution. 
There are even educational programs aimed to teach students the importance of the bay and how it and its watersheds create an interconnected system. These are all efforts that are being done on the organizational level, but as individuals, there are steps we can take to further improve the bay's health by walking more and driving less, not using fertilizer, or even becoming an oyster gardener, which is a little bit more on the extreme side. Everyone can contribute to the health of the bay in a large or small way because every action makes a difference. For more information on the Chesapeake Bay and sustainability efforts, please visit www.cbf.org. And thank you for listening. Make sure to follow us on social media at Voices of STEM on IG and Twitter. See you next week.